Hi everybody, this is Tammy Riley, the host of Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I am really honored to have one of my colleagues, my mentors, uh, the fabulous Luciana Marcial Vincion, who uh, works for Mad Dog Athletics and the Spinning Program. And I know a lot of my listeners out there know exactly who I'm talking about, our really special Lou. But for those of you who might not know her, I'm really looking forward to sharing her and her really authentic and candid conversation around uh, self-care. And and as we get older, things that we get to learn, right, the wisdom that comes with our age. So grab a cup of, a glass of, whatever it is that you need to sit down and get comfy as Lou and I embark on this conversation. So thank you, my friends. Right, so welcome to our latest episode of Living Well While Living Online. I am so excited to be sitting here on the video with my dear friend Luciana, and I'm really looking forward to sharing her, her wisdom, her uh, humor, uh, all that she will have to share with us today. Luciana and I know each other from my spinning world. Uh, she is our global master instructor team manager and also this one of the senior advisors that we have at the spinning program and I know I'm going to have her do a little uh, bio background and you if you've been listening in you know I have people from my fitness world especially spinning but I want to reiterate that when we talk about spinning here it's a program right so this is our program which has um, a structure it has education it has a bike component right it's been the the pioneer in the indoor cycling world but just so that we're clear when we're talking today about you know her role and what she does it is with the spinning trademarked r program um just to be clear so you can look that up if you are not sure what we're talking about but lou thank you for being here today absolutely delighted to be here tammy (laughs) you knew i'd eventually pull you in here because we love to chat (laughs) That is true. That is true. It's an easy thing for us to converse. Um, And I always say selfishly, um, I try to, you know, I want to get a variety of people and opinions and where people are, but also it's an opportunity for me to, to catch up and spend time with people who are really important to me or that I would love to have more time with. And we have not seen each other in a few years, which is not normal. Obviously the world has yeah. not been normal, but um, it's good to have this time with you. So I appreciate you carving out some time for me today. I'm so looking forward to this. And, you know, I do have to say, Tammy, I'm, I've just been in awe um, over the last year or so and what you've done with this podcast. I love, love, love witnessing your growth and just sort of the um, comfort zone that you've widened um, by taking on this brand new initiative in your life. And girl, who knew? You're like a girl, you're like a Walter Cronkite, man. I just showed my age by mentioning Walter Cronkite. Anyway, (laughs) Anyway, well, plus when they read your bio and they see that you've been in the fitness industry for a really long time, they're they're also going to know. But uh, thank you, Lou. I appreciate your kind words. I really do. So I would love if you could just sum up you, your life, like, you know, you're here today. I gave the quick little, you know, three second intro. 
please tell us what you would like us, our listeners, to know about you. Sure. So let's uh, just start with um, what I do in the fitness industry. I think Mm -hmm. that's probably um, the easiest place to begin. Uh, So I have been working for Mad Dog Athletics, which is uh, the company that uh, started the spinning brand and owns the spinning brand, as you gave in the intro so eloquently. I've been working for Mad Dog Athletics for 21 years now. And most uh, recently, well, I shouldn't say most recently, um, the role that I started with when I began with the company was as a master instructor presenting education for the company. And then about seven years in, our global team was growing. And when I say global team, I mean our educators that are out there in the field and they are all over the world um, in many different countries. So about seven years into my tenure with the company as a master instructor, um, the team was getting bigger and bigger and the company identified the need for uh, a point person, someone to manage this growing team to be a, uh, a liaison between the company and the field to provide resources uh, to those, those professionals. And so that is really when in 2007, the formal role of a global master instructor team manager was created. And we really didn't know how it was going to go, what to expect, what kind of time commitment it was, what it even meant um, at that time. And I think at that time, we had about maybe 40 or 50 master instructors across the globe. And uh, today in 2021, we have about 160 master instructors across the globe. So I've been really fortunate to sort of grow with this role. Um, as I said, we really didn't know what the responsibilities were, what the specific tasks were. We couldn't really even come up with a job description at that time. Um, so I've grown with the role and I feel very fortunate um, to have done that. So that is, um, that's the largest role that I hold with, with Mad Dog Athletics. Um, that would be what we would say is my full-time role with them. Uh, and then I also do function as a spinning senior advisor. I'm one of two people that function in that role. Uh, the other brand senior advisor is Josh Taylor, who many people know. And our, our responsibility, yes, our <laughs> spinning um, ambassador, also call him our spinning poster boy. Um, so our, our, our major role with regard to the spinning senior advisor title is simply to um, be a resource for the company in terms of all of the products and services that we put out there for public consumption and making sure that those products and services align with the brand, um, the brand program, the brand messaging, um, the brand legacy. And so that's been a really interesting experience as well for the two of us to, to grow with those roles because those were brand new as well. We sort of, um, uh, collectively uh, created those roles with the company a few years ago. That's newer. That's about four or five years old. So yes, I am invested in um, essentially every single 
part of the spinning brand and how we bring it uh, to the public, to our consumers. And I, I do feel on some days that I, I, I don't even know what hat I'm wearing sometimes because <laughs> our, my, my feet dip into a lot of different things at the company, uh, which I'm grateful for as well. It's, it's given me a lot of experience. Um, but I will say in a nutshell now that um, my role as the Global Master Instructor Team Manager is, is my primary role. And that is the role that I truly, truly am grateful for because it puts me in touch with so many remarkable individuals on a daily basis. Wow. How lucky am I? I mean, yes, I, I, I envy you with that. Right. And I say that, you know, with all of my heart, getting to interact with people all over the world. And that Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why I wanted you here today, Lou, because way before the pandemic hit and people were thinking, oh, how much should I be online? You've essentially in your role as it's been growing, you have been more and more and more online and more global um, and and looking into these ways to reach your team because Mm -hmm. nobody lives. You're in Charleston, South Carolina, and the team's everywhere else. So it's very, it's very interesting. So I guess putting the pandemic aside, can you just give us a little uh, maybe insight to how that piece has has adapted and grown for you and what it was like mm-hmm. to be a leader. You know, you are a leader in our program, in our in our community, and yet you don't live with your team. And maybe you see some people during the year, but but not everyone, not most people. So that's mm-hmm. so interesting. You know, I will say I I think I had um, a really strong foundation um, prior to the pandemic, simply because the the work that I do for Mad Dog Athletics has always been remote. Uh, the company is headquartered in California. As you said, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. So I've never lived on the West Coast. I, I, I don't go into an office. So my tenure with them has always been remote. Therefore, uh, working online, communicating digitally, um, collaborating on projects worldwide with people based all over the globe, this was already something that was standard procedure for me and, and for, for my team members. So I really feel very uh, fortunate that we had all of this in place already. So when the pandemic hit, I'm not going to say there was an adjustment. There was definitely adjustment, but we had this foundation that was already thriving in terms of how we communicated how we got business done, how we approached projects. I'm so happy that we already had that in place. So the adaptation curve, I feel like in in what I do, wasn't as severe or wasn't as mind-blowing as what a lot of people had to go through, whatever industry they work in, whatever field they work in. I already had that foundation. A lot of my team um, already had that foundation. We've got master instructors that are in Asia that are all over Europe and South America. So there was a sort of standard procedure already in place of good communication. What was expected to, to accomplish business goals, that was already in place. 
Now, one thing I, I do feel was actually more challenging when COVID hit wasn't necessarily, okay, how do we take all this online? How do we communicate with each other? How do we get stuff done? For me as a team manager, the bigger challenge was trying to figure out how to reach out to all of my team members and support them in ways that I wasn't necessarily involved in supporting them previously. The struggles that each team member was going through in their personal lives based on perhaps their their family structure, their occupational structure, you know, not everyone works full time in this industry. You know, some of our team members are very, very part time. So what was the rest of their life like? Um, I found that a lot of the team members were coming to me with struggles that weren't even necessarily directly related to spinning work. And they wanted to know if I had any resources or suggestions for them in how to somehow continue with spinning work, but still manage all this other stuff. Um, so that was challenging for me. It, 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 it definitely taught me to kind of grow my wings a bit in, in just the very simple day-to-day -day communication. How, what words was I using to, to speak with um, my team? Did they have to be different words than, you know, the normal conversation? Um, it was necessary to spend more time, whether it was email or WhatsApp or texting or phone, spend more time talking about their mental health, emotional health, um, physical health, before we even got to any of the business stuff. So that was the biggest challenge. That was, um, I'm not going to say totally new for me, because I think as you've, you've said in other podcasts, Tammy, you know, the spinning community is, is um, very close. Yes. And we do, we do talk to each other, but this was kind of on a different scale. Mm -hmm. This was, whoa, there is some real trauma happening in some of the team members' lives. And for a lot of them, the spinning program and the work they do for MDA was, was kind of like their lifeline. They wanted to keep that strong. Right sort of as a coping mechanism for everything else they were going through in their life. And whoa, um, that was, that was new. God, that was a really long winded answer to, <laughs> I, I don't know what I just said. No, no, it was perfect. It was, it was perfect. You hit on so many things that, um, I thought were going to be relevant in the, in this dialogue. And, and one of the things is, you know, you are used to dealing and communicating globally, which is great. Mm -hmm. But this really, I think as you, you know, broaden the lens in a way where we're okay and used to trauma or an incident happening in one pocket of the world, right? So in mm -hmm. all of your years working with Mad Dog, there have been things that different areas or different groups and team members have gone through. But this, and although it it affected everyone, I guess, on a different level, but this was global. Like 
everyone. So it wasn't everyone. you having to be the leader. And I'm going to say mother, and I say that in a kind way. She, you're our mama, Mama Lou. Um, you know, be being that rock and that resource. It's it's normal for you to do that for someone going through whatever I'm going to say crisis or stress in their life or a little community. But this is everyone. Everyone, everyone that was same, facing it. Right. So you are one human being in this role as the liaison, the advisor, um, the, the rock, the person who we go to. So how, I guess, what did you need to do? Here's where our self-care piece comes in now. What did you need to do to, I, I don't want to say put a boundary up because, you, you know, you you were there for others, but how did you protect yourself during this time? How did you care for Lou so that you could go on? I mean, your emails can go off 24 hours a day with everyone in a different area. There would never be stopping. Like, what did you do to take care of yourself at this time? Because this was really new and different, even for a global company. That is such a great question, Tammy. (laughs) And and I have to say there are about 10 different thoughts going through my head. So I'm going to try and condense them with some clarity, some reach for clarity, because we're all still in it, right? We're mm-hmm. all still trying to figure out every day um, how to cope and how to manage and how to find joy. So first, what I'd like to comment on is, um, before I answer the self-care question, is one of the personal struggles that I went through when the pandemic really just, (laughs) when we all realized this was going to be here for a while. One of the personal struggles I went through was, how do I continue to serve this global team in the way that they're used to and still manage my own difficulties with this pandemic? And when I say personal struggle, right, I think in our industry, the fitness industry, personal and professional, the lines are blurred between personal and professional, right? Because this is what we do. We love it. We don't often say uh, we don't separate our job from our personal lives our our livelihood our our occupation um, what we do it is what makes us tick we are wired for it we are it's intuitive to us right so that's why I say I'm comfortable saying personal struggle even though I was you know trying to figure out how to continue to be that person for this global team um, and to be quite frank, not show my own um, difficulties, not let them in on what I was suffering from because my perception was if I do that, well, a few things. If I do that, A, one possible thing is A, um, if I say it out loud and admit it, I am somehow not going to be as effective for them. If I actually say it out loud, it's an admission, right, to me, to all of them. B, um, they won't have the same trust in me, right? 
oh, this is breaking Lou. So I'm not going to be able to confide in her as much. Right. And I absolutely didn't want that to happen. Um, and then C, would it, would it actually put my job in jeopardy? Mm. I said it. Yeah. You know, um, when you're type A, OCD, super planner, multitasker, um, like so many of us are in this industry, we are concerned with how other people view us, especially when we are in the public eye as ambassadors of a product or a brand. And that's what we are. So as the global team manager, I feel like I am absolutely under the microscope. The company is, is watching me. The field is watching me. The customers are watching me. And so when you're in the public eye, you have got to figure out how to present yourself daily. Right? So we talk about authenticity. We talk about being ourselves, but but really, are we practicing that daily? Because practicing that daily actually um, means putting yourself out there in all your vulnerabilities as well. So that that's what I kind of wanted to get out there first well, before thank, I answer thank the self-care you for, question. Um, for saying all of those three things out loud to us. I appreciate that. And it's interesting that you say that. And, and I absolutely want to hear about all the other things. But I'm just going to say that helps even me now just hearing that, right? Like, oh, if Lou had these doubts of herself and how she should act, like, it's okay that I have them too. And um, I'm sure a lot of us were, <laughs> were wondering, how do you, how do you do it? How are you? But mm. we all have these same thoughts, right? The same inner dialogue. And we don't always get to hear that, um, course, because it is on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. This is a very safe space right here, right? Talking with you, Tammy. So thank you. The self-care piece um, is actually something that for me became a bigger part of my life, um, quite frankly, in the last five years or so. And during the pandemic, um, I was actually able to spend more time focusing on accepting self-care with um, no excuses, no judgment, and to be quite frank, Tammy, not caring what anyone else thought. <laughs> mm, that's so excellent. Good for you. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and five years ago, that would not have, that wasn't part of me. In fact, I've always, you know, throughout my life, because I was always interested in um, producing something or creating something or working on something, um, collaborating, just crafting and creating, right? I always wanted to be involved in a project or just doing, doing, doing. And that seemed normal to me. And it never occurred to me until after, you know, the baby years were over and, um, and quite frankly, menopause um, came knocking on my door that, gosh, what was I thinking all those years being so busy from dawn until midnight um, and gauging my success, um, my professional success and my personal success on how busy I was. So, yeah, about five years ago, uh, I... It just hit me one day, I got to tell you, Tammy, 
it just hit me one day. It is absolutely okay to do two things. Number one, to say no more often. And number two, and this is like the best thing ever. Why didn't I discover this when I was 25? Is to spend more time alone. Mm. And I'm going to tell you exactly how I arrived at those two things. Because there's a story attached to this. I love it. I love it. Okay, go for it. There's like a thing that happened. I was at a family gathering. Uh, my husband's from Nashville. And we were at a family gathering uh, as we as we um, have done for many years. Uh, my husband comes from a very large family and the Christmas gatherings are always just massive and I love it, love it, love it. So we're at a family gathering and I hear um, one of my relatives talk about their week coming up. And I remember her saying, Okay, and on Thursday, I have to go grocery shopping. And I was waiting for what else was going to be happening on Thursday. What else are you doing on Thursday? <laughs> and she said, yeah, no, so that's it. I can't do anything else on Thursday because I have to go grocery shopping. And I remember thinking internally, what? <laughs> okay, girl, I can go grocery shopping in 45 seconds flat and plan all my meals for the week and have it all done and then I can do my training and then I can work 10 hours for Mad Dog Athletics and then I can put my kids to bed and then I can go clothes shopping for them. I could do all of that in one 16 hour period. And it was such an eye opener for me that she put these boundaries on her life. Grocery shopping is the one thing on that one day and I cannot do anything else. Now, Obviously, I knew that wasn't going to, I wasn't going to shift my life to that degree, right? Because I'm just not wired like that. But it, the message to me was, why have I been so busy for so long? No one else was doing that to me. These were expectations I put on myself all these years because I, I think that I was concerned for many years about what other people thought of my productivity. So it was the grocery store story that started me thinking. And then pretty soon it was starting to practice saying no more often and spending time alone, which I love. Yeah. Oh, Lou, this is, so incredible. So I love that you started out by saying and admitting that you were gauging your own success by how busy you were, because I definitely have done that myself. And during the pandemic, now we're switched at home. And so this is my part-time life, right? Fitness. I have, I, I mean, just like you're saying, it's, it's all of my lives. It somehow involves all of my lives, but I report to a university, right? So I have yep. full-time expectations and here I am at home online, living the zoom world. And you're trying to find ways to be productive and do your job. And so all of that's going on. In the meantime, our social media, I'm on my device looking at what others are already doing, like hitting the ground running with online content and 
building up their brand and putting time into this. I was busy even more, even more busy. And I wasn't leaving the house. I wasn't leaving the house. I'm like, how can I be this busy? I'm not even going. We were grocery shopping one day a week. That was our outing. So I, I, I too was like gauging everything on just the filling every hour. And some of that was, I thought that others expected it, right? It's like, oh, well, they, they need to see that it's my value. It's my worth. And I don't know if I came to the realization um, as, as eloquently as you have stated that. I think it took me a really long time to, to figure that out. But gosh, when I finally said, it's okay to not do that too, or it's okay to, you know, not be being this busy. Wow. Was that freeing? And um, hmm. it's, it's so good to hear that. I mean, I think I know that logically that there's many of us who have had that problem, but it's good to hear you admit, right. And say that because mm-hmm. when you were talking about her grocery shopping, like I'll teach a class at five 30 in the morning, I'm home by seven 30. I've not only taught, I've worked out and grocery shopped before I got home. And that's before I begin my day, right? So that's the life that you and I live yep. <laughs> normally. Oh man, that is crazy. And I wonder why does it take so many of us so long to realize that, you know, we've been living our lives in a way that we thought was satisfying or we thought was fulfilling. Um, why does it take us so long? You know, I'm in my fifties now. Why does, why does it take um, so many years to finally sort of discover who you are and what you need? Yeah. I mean, right. That's life, right? We go through all of these different chapters of life that teach us things. Um, but why, why does it take us so long to realize that our self care is actually number one? And I have a couple of theories. I do think that that perhaps you and I come from a generation of um, self-care being equated with luxury, and therefore we feel guilt. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's probably one of the biggest theories. And the second one is uh, our wiring. You know, when you are wired for wanting to move your body and wanting to be with people and I don't want to say wanting to be busy, but wanting to be alive and, and feel vibrant. Uh, we don't realize how long we've been going <laughs> until something breaks or something forces us to slow down, right? So instead of letting that just occur, can we make conscientious decisions proactively to incorporate more self-care in our daily rhythm? And I'm not talking about scheduling a massage on the weekend. Um, or, or taking a vacation. Those are our wonderful, tangible things, but more organic self-care techniques that begin to just weave into your day until it becomes who you are, how you live, and the rhythm of your day. Oh, I love that. I love that you're saying that out loud. And first of all, I agree your, your theory um, in looking at it being a little more of a luxury, or I'm going to say the word selfish, right? We would think, oh, caring mm. for myself is selfish. 
I think again, even though we didn't have social media growing up, you and I, that was still what was out there. That was still the perception of our worth is what we could do, especially what we could do for others. And that is important. And you and I are in, I'm going to say hospitality. We are people, people Mm -hmm. do what we do because we love that piece. But no one at that time when we were growing up said, you can do that, but it's also even more important that you take care of yourself so that you can keep sustaining and helping and doing with the people. And I don't know why we're not taught, and I've had this, as you know, with um, this conversation with some other people, why we're not taught like, okay, brush your teeth every day and make sure you take a shower and make sure you eat three meals, but make sure you (laughs) make time for you, your self-care. Like, this is just new. We're all just newly speaking about this. And um, I don't think any of us, well, I'm hoping our generation, you have children and I have children that probably will benefit from these conversations now because it is more normal and they can really weaving it into their day uh, more organically is probably going to be more their norm. And I say, thank you. Thank you to um, the powers that be for making that happen because they'll just be so much healthier. I hope you're right, Tammy, from your mouth to God's ears. I hope you're right. Right. I hope they can learn from our generation and uh, just let self-care be more of standard operating procedures in your daily life, you know? (laughs) Okay. So then specifically, now, first of all, I know a little bit more about Lou than she has let on to the listeners. Like she is filled with music and drama not not drama in her crazy life I mean drama she's part of the theater and she's an actress and (laughs) you are a mover on every level that's really what what fuels you so again I know part of that when you get to be in a in a musical and you're posting I'm in another musical in this part and those are things we do as self-care right and and I know that right the part like nourishing your soul so again when everything is sort of putting a stop to the world as we know it, our norms, our go-tos, like this helps me stay sane. When those things get taken away and you're feeling the the brunt of dealing with this 180-ish global team and everyone's worries, what, what were you doing um, to help mm. yourself specifically? Like, was it new things that you had to come up with? Like, how were you integrating, I guess, new self-care practices for the world we were living in? and are still. Well, what ended up happening, um, which was fantastic, and and I'm in a a, a very different place today, was um, the two things that I previously mentioned about saying no and spending time alone. Those have kind of always been, especially in the last five years, things that um, have become more normal for me and really easy for me. When the pandemic hit, I just got more time to actually think about what those two things meant for me, how I wanted to practice them with even more uh, authenticity and and just sincerity, not just for myself, but for those people around me so they could see me practicing these behaviors. And, um, you know, t- when you mentioned the theater and, and, and being on stage, dancing, singing, all those things, 
yes, th those, those are definitely self-care for me. And, and when that type of thing was taken away, including, you know, what we do for a living, traveling and educating people and um, bringing them into the fitness world, um, I got to spend more time alone, right? So that's one of my two self-care things that was, they were already part of my life, but now it became even more prominent and powerful. And anytime I have traveled for work, you, you mentioned this um, when we were chatting just before recording, anytime I've traveled for work, always add on a day or two at the end of the job, right? In whatever country I'm in mm -hmm. to, to do some exploring, right? Yes. And historically, I have always planned that one or two days after the job um, alone, wandering the, the streets of Amsterdam or Barcelona or uh, Venice. You know, I have so enjoyed, of course, being with people, but wow, I also really appreciate that time alone. So during the pandemic, of course, I couldn't travel to any of those places. So I found myself putting on my hiking boots mm. and hiking in the, um, the parks here in Charleston. Now look, Charleston is a low country. There are no hills, right? So <laughs> when I'm saying hiking, there's no mountains involved in this. In your mind, experience. in your mind, you were hiking. Yeah. <laughs> but I have been walking and hiking for hours and hours on end. And wow, how incredibly therapeutic because what I, what I, what I found in the first 30 to 60 minutes of walking is my brain is one giant hot mess, right? Of all the thoughts going through your head, right? What the, what did they say in silence? You can hear the truth, right? So the first hour or so of walking, there's all this hot mess of thoughts going through my brain, but then all the thoughts just start disappearing. And I find myself um, very magically almost um, floating in this just road of clarity and uh it's a lot of times what we talk about uh on the spinning bike where we find our true selves and we find clarity on the spinning bike or if you're a runner you find it when you're running right that state of flow so i started finding it hiking and and it's time alone right i have really enjoyed that so what I will do now on a day like today too, right? Um, I won't work for eight or nine hours at the computer, which is what I'm used to doing, right? With the remote job. I'll work for 90 minutes and I'll get up and walk around the neighborhood for 20 minutes. And then I'll come back and work for two hours. And then I'll get up and spend some time in my garden. And then I'll work for another 90 minutes. I take more breaks more often and I get outside. Mm, so big. Instead of feeling like I have to accomplish this eight, nine, 10 hours at my computer. I have to be available for that phone call. If someone texts me and I don't answer right away. No, all of that is gone, Tammy. Oh, it is gone. That. And the pandemic has brought that to me. And that's tied in with, you know, saying no more often. Um, not being ashamed of doing what I need to do for me physically, mentally, emotionally um, to have a good day. So now when I define a productive day at work, it's not 10 hours at the computer. It's 
yeah, maybe still 10 or 11 hours engaged, but three or four breaks of 30 minutes or an hour. You know, I find when I come back to the computer and I'm talking, you know, to my colleague or in a business call or working on some creative project, oh my gosh, I am so much more productive. Mm. I am so much more alive. I feel happy. Why does it take us so long to figure that out? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, you know, as, as we look back and having these conversations, that is, you know, we have to pull these teachable moments from every situation that happens in our life. And part of this global pandemic has been people taking a step back, having a little reflection, having more time to spend on themselves and we are getting used to that now. And now we're trying to find ways to keep and hold on to that. So not just, you know, cause we can do some travel now. There are some places as I was just away and uh, I know yeah. you'll be back in, on a plane in no time, but still being able to hold on to these new um, revelations and these new things that have made us better. That's the piece that we now I think have to really work on is not letting go of that. Um, and I, I think you've already been practicing that. So I have high hopes for that for you, Lou, because, you know, as you were saying for the last five years, the no and the time alone, like you've already been practicing those ideas and how they're, I'm going to say, uh, non-negotiables in your life. Uh, and so this too will be just that next organic piece in your day that you have to have these breaks, which yes. is so much more healthy than you know, what we yes. look at. Um, I was talking early on with a student in the beginning of the pandemic and I, she was, I can't remember what we were talking about. I was going to come online on zoom and do like a, a yoga session for her group or something. And as she and I are talking, she was confiding in me that she was getting up and at, sitting at her computer at eight in the morning and not stepping away, not stepping away until like 10 at night. And I was like, what? She yeah. said, yep, yeah, my mom will just like bring me food to the table. Like I haven't left. And, you know, and she, you know, you realize how unhealthy it is. And then she was so funny because then when we talked next, she said this week, what I did, we were trying to like strategize little things. She said, I got up and put my feet in the bathtub because it was cold and just feeling my feet in the water um, <laughs> and warming my body up and feeling the water, even though it was 15 minutes, that was my break today. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you, girl. But mm. you know, so many of us couldn't step away and, and yep. time just in the blink of an eye goes by. So we have to be intentional with these breaks and moments. And, um, you know, I read something really interesting the other day. It was, um, it, it was a quote. I, I don't know who said it. It just kind of came across my feed, but I thought, Oh my gosh, that is it. Um, the quote was referencing basically what we today still continue to embrace as a, uh, model of business or model of, um, work ethics. And that is that the 40 hour work week was defined decades and decades and decades ago with the understanding that there is someone at home doing the cooking and the cleaning and the raising of the kids. So the 40 hour work week was originally designed for 
right? Typically the male figure going out and working with this assumption that there is a partner at home keeping the home. Running the business and raising the kids. Yeah. And in this day and age, that mindset is still very much dominant. But for women who, you know, have children and also want to work, um, we are, we're all trying to do both. We're trying to do it all, all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's so interesting. So we're trying to raise the children, keep the home. We want to work. And even if you don't have children, right, it's not even about that. It's you have this place that you call home that needs attention. It requires a separate set of hours and and tasks to be done. And yet we are under this um, sort of under the thumb of some official um, definition of what it means to be productive. And that's a 40 hour work week. And so I thought, wow, you know, when are we going to get rid of that? And I think with the pandemic, it has opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that that's an archaic um, mindset. It really is an archaic mindset. And so many people have discovered that, yes, as you said, when you take more breaks, when you incorporate things that make you happy um, during your work day, you're just simply more productive at your tasks, at your work. And not not to focus too much on the working woman idea, but, um, but, but you know, that's who I am. Yeah, that, that's, of course, that's, that's who we, we are. are. Um, Absolutely. Exactly. You know, we, we, this has been a struggle for, for all of us our whole lives. Um, I, I have never not worked. Yes, I have same. never not worked. And I've had a job since I was 11. Ooh. I took six weeks of maternity leave two times, and I have never not worked other than those two times. And I look back and I go, you know, there's something really wrong with that. No matter what my wiring is and how much I am inclined to move my body and be around people and collaborate, there's something wrong with that. Can If we could remove this heavy expectation, societal heavy expectation, I wonder what kind of different world this would be, right? And I know there are organizations and there are workplaces that are uh, starting to really focus in on this and, and trying to create more balance, which I think is fantastic. But we also, as women, put that expectation on ourselves and coming back to why it's so hard for us to say no. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I have, um, there's another piece to this story in terms of my wiring. And I, and I'm curious if, if, um, others may have experienced some of the same thing. I think when, when there's something in our lives that we feel is lacking or is lacking, we try to compensate for it in other ways. And here's what I mean by that with, with my particular story. And honestly, I I don't even know if I've ever really um, talked about this. So when I was a kid from very, very early on, um, I was a very, very sick child. Really? I had, yeah. Oh my gosh, Lou. Yeah. And, um, so from a very early age, um, I had severe, severe respiratory, um, problems. I was in the hospital a lot 
when I was a kid. Oh that kind of is my memory of my youth. Um, the respiratory problems manifested in a lot of different ways. The allergies were very severe, um, and that um, unfortunately uh, had in incredible asthma. So breathing for me was very difficult. And I was on a lot of medication. I was at doctor's offices all the time. Um, I was that kid that was always absent from school for two, three, four weeks at a time, several oh times a year. Gosh. Wow. And um, I could not walk up a flight of stairs without having an asthma attack. So I never did. Um, I was the kid that couldn't take PE, right? Always had the note. She can't do anything today. She can't do anything today. Here's her doctor's note. For whatever reason, when I turned 17, maybe it was where we moved to, the environment was different. Um, the, the asthma started to subside. And I have to tell you, I began to feel like I was being born again. Worse. Because I could move and I could breathe. And I was a senior in high school. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, what is happening? I have never been able to, to run across the street and play with the other kids without having an asthma attack. So, so you know what? I went, like, full throttle <laughs> into everything that was now available to me. Right. I joined the dance team. I joined the performing choir and I could do it. So I was 17 and all of this, this, this part of life that was not available to me for my entire youth was now there in front of me. Girl, I went crazy. When I arrived at university, um, one of the things I noticed right away was they didn't have a dance team. They had cheerleaders, right? But I'm talking about the dance drill team, yeah. right? So this was at Duke University, and I was like, oh, no, this is not acceptable. I'm just going to start one. So I did. Yes, of course you did. So I started the Duke dance team, which today are, you know, they're like national champions. They're still going strong. And I got into musical theater, and I could finally breathe and move, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And what was really interesting was, you know, I, I went to um, – I went to Duke University with the absolute intention of going to Duke Law. That was always my interest. I was going to be a lawyer. God, Lou, I love all this. I love these <laughs> sides of you I didn't know. This is so crazy. But because that was right on the cusp of me discovering that I now could move my body and I could breathe, I, I, I knew I had to go in a different direction. So yes, I finished the, the degree at Duke, but I didn't go to law school. I was like, I forget law school. I want to go do something where I can move and breathe, right? So um, there's, there's a couple of chapters there I, w I won't get into, but just to, to, to make the point here, um, I ended up getting my master's degree in exercise physiology because I wanted to know more about how the body functioned. Mm -hmm. um, so completely a three, you know, 360, 180, 180. I always get confused between those two. <laughs> a 180 from, from law into exercise, right? Because I finally could. And then I got, you know, my first aerobic certification and all the other certifications I could get my hands on. And my mom tells me, you know, still to this day, she says, I know why you did all that. It's because you finally could. Right, right. Because you could. Because I could. And so self-care for me 
I didn't know it and I didn't call it that, but it began all those years ago when I joined that dance team and joined that performing choir. Um, and so when you talk about, you know, obviously theaters and, and, and um, the arts has been in put on hold during the pandemic um, and our travel has been put on hold. Yes, th those things weren't happening, but you know what? I could move and breathe just getting up out of bed every day. I can move and breathe in my neighborhood. I can move and breathe in my backyard. I can move and breathe on my spinning bike. And I am so, so grateful all these decades later because I remember what it feels like not to be able to breathe, to feel like there's a weight on my chest lying down at night. I could not... When I was a kid, I couldn't lay down flat. I had to be propped up. Oh and even God. when I stood up, I was always very hunched because I couldn't feel like I could expand my rib cage to breathe fully. And so I got to tell you, Tammy, that um, wow, Lou. the pandemic brought that even more into my focus that, okay, yeah, theater's not here, right? Can't go dancing on the stage. Can't go, uh, you know, teach and travel on my spinning bike but I can move and breathe here in my house every day. And I don't take that for granted. Oh my gosh. That's so powerful. And I love, um, you know, that realization being born again, you know, because of that, that idea. What's so interesting is I so I have a little bit of a similar story. Um, only in the sense that I too had exercise induced asthma growing up and I was the kid mm. that had the note at gym and oh my goodness, girl. Yes, we're twins. Yes. Well, mine was definitely nowhere compared to yours. I never felt, um, you know, that, th that much that I couldn't breathe and that much weight. And I obviously could move. And, um, but what happened was it was uncomfortable. And the medicine that they gave me at the time before gym was uncomfortable and I hated it. Mm. So I just avoided it. So I avoided like those opportunities for exercise and for, for movement. And it wasn't until I actually did an outward bound. So I wanted to be outside and I was, I, I did this outward oh. bound and we had to run um, a marathon at the end of this. Like it was rock climbing and backpacking. And, um, and I could at that point Wait, run a marathon, like a 26.2 marathon. Yeah, we did do that. Oh my gosh. Through the course of the day, but you could walk it and hike it. It was very weird, but we did do it. Okay. But through the course of this, as we were starting to train, it was the first time in my life. And I was, it was from freshman to sophomore year. So I was a little bit older. I was probably, you know, 18, almost 19. And, and it was the first time I ha had learned how to control my breath. And by learning how to control my breath, I could make it through like that first 15, 20 minute window of, of running to actually get through the part where I could do it. And it was the first wow. time in my life. And it was like, oh, I can do this. And so Ugh. same thing. And so then obviously inhalers became better. And even to this day, you know, I use an inhaler before I run, but I use a little puff and I'm wow. good. And, but it's so, it's that whole feeling because I can, and I love, I love yes. that you said that the moving and the breathing. And, and I guess maybe even for me, my body remembers on that visceral level when it didn't like it, or it was uncomfortable and mm -hmm. it really, really loves to move. Um, now and to breathe. So <laughs> that is the truth. Yes. Isn't that fascinating? Yes. Wow, Tammy, I didn't know that. I know. And look at what we do. We just share it because yeah. we can. Because we can. 
And I think that is a key, right, that continues to motivate us. Mm. When we are, as fitness professionals, um, in front of a group of people who are exploring uh, becoming an instructor, uh, whether it's their first time teaching fitness or not, they are they want to know um, how to become a part of this, this fitness community that is focused on giving back, right? So I find that what motivates me to keep going as an educator, as a fitness instructor, um, is this complete gratitude that I still can. Mm. And I hope that I will keep doing this in some form or another, right? Moving, breathing, and teaching others how to do that so they can impact other people's lives, right? To teach people how to be of service. Um, that's the way that I can help people be of service is keep focusing on that, that gratitude, which serves as my motivation to move and to breathe. So true. And it's, it, I'm going to say it's simple, but it's so uh, impactful and so powerful, right? And the, and the smallest, simplest things often are, we don't have to have this crazy mm-hmm. other idea out, outer body experience like that. Um, it's that simple mm-hmm. and being able to share that deep rooted passion authentically a part of who you are, you know, and that's what shines through and that's what attracts. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So I have to ask one more question before I let you go. Cause I know mm-hmm. we've been chatting for a long time and you probably have to get up and do a little walk around your neighborhood. Um, <laughs> so, but you know, I traditionally like to reel it back in and have that little thought about, um, how you are, I guess, in the inner dialogue, the inner, the inner conversations you have with yourself. Uh, you are a best friend to many. You are a shoulder to lean on. You are a leader. People come to you and you are the ultimate professional and kind and compassionate. And we all, I think most of us strive to do that. But how are you at being all of those things to yourself, Lou, being your own best friend? Mm. Certainly I have become better at it, right? I think that this particular profession in, in serving others, um, by default, there is a built-in lesson for ourselves, for me. To be of service to others, you have to take care of yourself, right? And I've always believed that. And I believe on some level I've always practiced that. Um, but I do try to create tangible rituals um, throughout my day. And one of those very simple, tangible rituals for me um, is prayer. So I start the day uh, with the simple prayer that I say by my bedside, the first thing that I do when I wake up. Um, My daughter and I have a prayer, uh, and it was my son and my daughter and I before he went off to college, but we have a ritual. After breakfast, we um, stand in the kitchen and we say our morning prayer together. That begins my day with such a sense of grace and gratitude. And it sets me up really um, to be as 
positively minded as I can, even when, right, everything is falling apart. We all have bad days. We all have really bad days sometimes, right? That is life. It is going to happen. And trauma is going to happen. And loss is going to happen. All of those things. The prayer that I do for myself in the morning and the prayer I say with my daughter and the prayer I say with my husband, it's not going to prevent all those things from happening. But it's going to give me personally this thread to kind of grab onto and use as a pillar um, that I can recall when I'm going through something difficult. Um, so for, for me, that, that prayer piece is, is a big part of self-care. Uh, and then the other, the other tangible piece on a day-to-day -day basis, um, this might seem really silly, right? But whenever I am on a business call or a Zoom meeting, anything to do with business, right? Um, I believe me, I want to get business done. Like I want to get stuff done. If we're scheduled for a 30 minute meeting, we're going to, we got to finish this man. Like and let's you, not waste time. And you're right? good. You're good at keeping time for people in respect of people's time. <laughs> but you know what? I want to find out something about your day. I want to see you smile. I want to make you laugh. I want to remember that there are humans interacting here. And while we have these hats to wear for business, Let's not forget the humanity, the, the human element, that connectedness, right? And I think in our business, we're lucky because that is a prominent part of our business, right? Relationship building. Um, but when, when business meetings and business calls just become coldly about the business, that's when I check out. I can't handle that. I've got to have a laugh with you. I've got to know what, what did you eat for dinner last night? What are you planning for the Christmas holidays? Give me 30 seconds of something fabulous. Um, and that is a tiny, tiny, but tangible um, step, right? A, um, a practice for me. So I know sometimes when I'm in these meetings, like especially when we have the whole company on the Zoom calls, and, uh, you know, someone will ask, okay, well, who wants to give a report now? I'm like, okay, me. I put my hands up and I'm like, listen, this is what's happening. And I try to even give the report with, uh, maybe it's my theatrical voice. I don't know. You know, I'm not just going to give like a straight, okay, well, we had um, 12 new master instructors join the team this year. You know, no, man, yeah. I'm going to give it with full on actress theater to make people smile, even if they didn't quite get the business element that I just revealed to them, it made them smile for a second. So important. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, but I love that because it is true that human, that human element, and we could be very business and you could deliver it very dryly and very, here's the stats and here, but, but when you flip that switch and you add that piece, you know, it's the energy, it's people come alive. They remember something. Maybe they didn't remember the stat, but they remembered mm -hmm. something else about the conversation. And I would agree that that's even yes. more powerful in somebody's day, you know, being the reason <laughs> someone has had a smile, or you might be the only one who asked them what they ate for dinner. Uh, those, yep. those things are really, <laughs> really powerful. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, we did that too before when Lou and I started. I said, all right, before we press, press record, we need <laughs> to have these few little pieces of conversation to catch up because you yeah. would have heard a lot of extra stuff that you did not need to hear today. <laughs> And that's what I love. That's what I love. You know, this is what makes the world go round is, as you've said in so many of your podcasts, Tammy, is to be yourself, to be authentic. And I think on a daily basis, we are all continuing to try and understand what that really means and how to put it into practice for ourselves, but in a way also for others so that they can see all the different pieces that, you know, make ourselves up. Um, we we've just i think crave that type of authentic interaction um for a lot of people though that does mean some discomfort sometimes right like whoa i didn't know that was a part of you lou wait a minute (laughs) step back (laughs) hold on i don't know if i like that part of you lou but you know what we're we're human beings we're made up of all different types of wiring I I could not agree more. And, um, you know, just you being willing to share the conversation and your stories and you shared the things that you've struggled and worked on and and the the aha moments that you've had. And those are just so relevant for all of us because we often can't see our way through our own darkness, right? That's in there. And if one person heard that and said, oh, I could do that. I could spend a little more time alone or I could just Mm -hmm. remind myself that I can move and breathe, um, that those matter and those count and somebody else is doing it too. Like then then we've done our job. Because uh, unfortunately, I agree. you know, with all of this work, whether it's in fitness, the magical answer to lose weight and to look perfect, whatever perfect is, um, you know, and with self-care, there's no, there's no magic. There's no prescription. There's no recipe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's trial mm-hmm. and error and figuring things out and, and putting it together in a way um, that just makes sense for, for each of us. And we're not always patient enough to, to see that through. And, uh, and you did share a lot. And of I that. think being, being brave enough to say to yourself, okay, this isn't working. I need to change something. Yeah. Uh, and also being brave enough to go to your friends, your circle of support, whoever that may be, um, saying to them and being vulnerable to them, listen, there's something that's not working with me and I need to seek your advice. I need to seek your support. Um, A lot of times we don't seek that support because we're afraid of what people are going to say. You know, there's a, um, there's a Tori Amos song and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a brilliant lyric in there. Um, Oh, it it hit me 25 years ago when I first heard it. Um, It's a, In the song, she's thinking she's singing about love gone wrong, right? Like her 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 boyfriend had an affair or something like that. Okay, so that's that's the setup. But anyway, the lyric is, maybe she's just pieces of me you've never seen. And I feel that's very compelling because, and forget the love story, right, for a second. But we have so many different parts of our personalities. We have so many different pieces of our wiring that we don't necessarily even see ourselves until a particular set of circumstances or a situation or, or, or an environment um, forces it out of us. And we can even surprise ourselves sometimes like, whoa, that's not me. Why did I act that way? And then it's, it's reinforced when someone else says, why are you acting that way? That's not you. I've never seen you like this before. So we end up 
stifling or censoring pieces of ourselves because we're not familiar with it or the people around us have convinced us that, oh, that's not you. You need to hide that away. And, th and I think the pandemic has, for a lot of people, brought a lot of those pieces out into the open because this has forced a lot of different situations, very difficult, difficult situations on people. And they've discovered pieces of themselves that they never knew were there. Maybe they were the, the, the you know, the, the strength coming out that they never even thought was possible because they were never in a particular situation that demanded that characteristic before. Um, so I, I think there's value in remembering that on a daily basis, we're constantly discovering ourselves. And you don't really know every part of yourself when you're 20, when you're 50, when you're 80, because every day is a new set of circumstances. Every day is a new set of lessons. So true. I mean, that, and I think that's good. You know, we could look at it and say, oh, but, but that's to be human, right? There's always, yeah. and we're impacted by the environment and situation. So there really is always something to learn. And I know you and I, in the profession we have, will say to our students, those who have come to us to get certified or continuing education is that you're always a student, right? We're never going to know it all. So why would we not think that would be the same as humans, right? Yes. So, yes. so true. If we're constantly learning in a particular occupation or academics, remember that we need to be continual learners of the human element of our own personal wiring and, and be forgiving and loving to yourself. Absolutely. That's a beautiful mm -hmm. statement to end our conversation on. Um, and I <laughs> so, so appreciate your time and everything that you shared. And I feel so grateful to get this little extra Lou time. I know, um, you know, there's lots of other things going on in our lives. So you chiseling out this time is, is really, um, really important. So thank you so much. I'm so happy, so honored, and so thankful. And Tammy, girl, you are a rock star. I love <laughs> everything you're doing. Uh, I love, love, love what you're doing. Thank you for bringing your wisdom and expertise out there to the world and sharing all these stories with your listeners and with your audience. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lou. My deepest gratitude to Luciana for all that she shared. I really enjoyed the conversation and listeners, I'm hoping you did as well. And thank you for tuning in. My goal, my wish for all of you is that you can find one tidbit of a word, a practice, some wisdom um, that you resonated with that you can hopefully use in your own day-to-day -day life. It's certainly not easy, which hopefully this conversation shows you that many, many, many of us have a lot of ups and downs when it comes to our self-care. So get ready for next week's episode. We have husband and wife dynamic duo, the infamous Mindy and Bruce Milry. And oh my gosh, they are just so energetic, so passionate. Uh, they're Nonprofit is One Day to Wellness, and you are going to learn so much information and also, uh, you know, just share this opportunity with this couple who really, really are passionate about living self care as their life and sharing that mission with others. So, you won't want to miss Bruce and Mindy Milry. And so, I really appreciate you spending time with Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. A special, special thank you to the team that makes all of this happen, to David DeRoche, the executive producer, 
to Renette Chiffaut, the producer. Thank you to Lawrence Gupo on social media. And the theme music is from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. And you can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. You can also check us out on Twitter or Instagram at QUPodcasts. And feel free to send us an email at QUPodcasts at qu.edu. And then until next week, my friends, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.